it's a lovely it's a lovely day out there again isn't it beautiful it sunshine is. yeah yeah Not a cloud so, in the sky. Ros is up near Cookham um near the Thames and Marlow and all that beautiful area and obviously I'm down in East Sussex but it's still the sun is shining in both places <laughs> and it was International Women's Day yesterday and hope everyone had a lovely day do you find that kind of concept of it being our day slightly unnerving? Did you do anything special, Roz, for uh, yesterday? I can't say I did. Although, uh, yeah, like you say, slightly unnerving. It's just bizarre that it still needs a day, isn't it, I guess? My thoughts, um, exactly. But, you know, I was quite. I was quite like, yeah, it's a double-edged sword because it's like, great, everyone's talking about it, but why should we need to talk about it? Surely we're all evolved enough now to know that we are all exactly equal. No one is better or worse than anyone else. And we all deserve recognition. We should be celebrating World People Day. Yeah. But like we were saying, actually, there's a there's a lovely camaraderie and actually to sort yeah. of champion other women doing incredible, creative, entrepreneurial things is, you know, if there's an excuse to do that, then that's that's OK in my book. Yeah, right. Really, you know, um, shout about it and and be together in a community. I think community is everything. We have a wonderful community in Pure, and I really, really cherish our community. Um, leaving and we'll come in again as I'm getting terrible echo. I'm sorry about that, Edith. I don't. We haven't got any echo going on here, so <laughs> um, hopefully it's all it, it, it'll all sort itself if you go out and come back in again. Um, yeah, so we're live streaming onto Facebook. So welcome everybody who's watching us on Facebook and we're live streaming onto YouTube. If anyone has any questions on Facebook, Sophie should be over there with you and she will happily bring them across onto Crowdcast and ask the question on your behalf. Anyone who's watching in Crowdcast, can you put your questions in the ask a question area? So Rosalyn is um, the publisher, editor, writer what's your official title <laughs> dog's body tea maker everything <laughs> probably official title is co-founder co-founder of the homepage, and i'm going to quickly share the homepage with everyone because it is the most beautiful online magazine and if you haven't seen it you're in for a treat here it is look at that i mean you open it and it's delicious it's <laughs> delicious isn't it it's a little bit of gold, a teddy, a bit of food. It's very pure, I have to say, Ros. Mm. Um, in the way we like to, we're very holistic. We cover everything from business through to um, food and well-being as well. So, no, absolutely beautiful. And ha this magazine is completely online. Correct if yes, I'm wrong here. Yeah. And how you get it into your inbox is by filling in your email address here and subscribing please send um please send us our privacy policy you probably don't need that i'm sure you're very good <laughs> uh, but um yeah pop your email in there and you will get the magazine directly into your inbox so absolutely stunning magazine and i'm going to just chat to ros now just a bit about herself you know how she came to be co-founder of the magazine and then we'll go on to the magazine and how the magazine works so is it your dream job Ross? is this what you always wanted to do when you were a little child <laughs> <laughs> um yeah 
I think it probably is actually, strangely. Um, the very first work experience placement that I did when I was an aspiring journalist, and uh, I don't know how old I was, not very old, um, was at BBC Good Homes magazine um, alongside a lady called Sophie Robinson. So anybody who knows anything about interiors, she's on the telly a lot. Um, she uh, is a, she has her own blog, uh, podcast, The Great Indoors. Um, she's brilliant. Um, and that was, yeah, the very first work experience placement I had. I, I, I did it, I loved it, but I sort of thought, well, I want to hone my writing skills more rather than my stylist skills. So I sort of parked that a little bit and then went into news journalism. Um, and then it feels a little bit like I've come full circle, I guess, now talking about homes and interiors again, something that was always a passion. Um, but now I get to write about it and um work my co-founder Jess Johnson have to mention her um Absolutely. you know we we work really well together we are very fortunate that we were colleagues first and then sort of became friends and um yeah it's been a steep learning curve uh, but incredibly enjoyable and rewarding so you said steep learning curve what's the most valuable lesson do you think you've learned I think it's to keep learning, um, I th particularly in the media world, in journalism, it's changed immeasurably since I first started out in 16, 17 years ago. It's really, really changed. And if you don't keep learning and don't keep adapting, then you, you get left behind. And it's not just in the world of media, I think it's in anything. Um, and some, it's very easy to sort of say, oh, well, I don't really do that or no, I, I, I'm, that's not really my thing or, you know, I'm not very good at technology. But actually throwing yourself into it and going, well, I, you know, I can do this. Um, I think that's the most valuable lesson to just keep learning, keep upskilling, I think is the buzzword, isn't it? But um, that sort of appetite for learning is really important to keep you, to keep you sustained. Yeah, I think um, Carol Dweck's I can't do that yet. The power of yet. I can't do that yet, but I'll give it a go and then I might be able to do it. Definitely. I love I love the European approach to life learning because it is a concept there. Mm. In Europe, there is a concept of life learning and you're and an expectation that you will continue to access knowledge and go um, back to formal education all through your lifetime. Mm -hmm. But we don't have that so much here, although I've done it. I went back to um, I've been back to university twice in my adult mm. life and really benefited from it. Both times, um, but actually very off-puttingly, um, but the second time especially approached by the tutors as, well, if you're going to cause trouble, then... <laughs> Amazing. Me. Me. <laughs> me. Me. If you're going to cause trouble, then, you know, we'll have to ask you to leave. And I was like, I don't intend to cause any trouble. Honestly, really, I'm, I know I'm quite forward and quite forthright, but I wasn't intending to cause any trouble. Actually, after a few months, she said to me I was a definite asset. So I was like, oh. good. <laughs> I, think, I think her perception, the tutor's perception, was based on someone who'd gone before. Okay. And obviously had been troublesome. I like to think that anyway. <laughs> I don't like to think the mere presentation of my face was just trouble. Oh, here she comes. She's going to be here trouble. Here comes trouble. Exactly. My mom, I'm sure my mum said that a few times. Too. Here comes trouble. Yeah. yeah, I think life learning is a really important thing. And um, open. the great thing about this pandemic has been the amount of opportunities to learn 
from people all over the world. Have you accessed any learning from someone outside of your expected kind of like remit and area? Um, yeah, I guess we have. Are we and, and that's something that Jess and I are very good at. Is sort of encouraging each other to take that time to watch a to watch a listen to a podcast, watch mm. a seminar. Um, you know, sign up for a masterclass in whatever it is. Um, and that's quite important to us that we do keep doing that. Um, and like you say, there's there's so many opportunities to do that online. There are so many free resources um, that you can tap into that we're that have sort of come into their own, I suppose, over the past year. And I think that will continue um, that people want to share knowledge, actually. Um, and yeah, we encourage each other to do that. Definitely. Mm, I love the idea of just being able to dip into a podcast or a webinar. And, and even if they're paid for, I, I really don't mind if they're, mm. you know, paid for it. If you're getting really good value, then, yeah. you know, that's great. Is there any you can recommend? Have you had a particular? I really love the podcast that Russell Tovey does, I have to say. I love Russell Toby. Yeah, I do like that one a lot. I was in holiday in Margate last year, actually. I was hoping, hoping to bump into him, but no such luck. Um, I love the Up With The Lark podcast, which is hosted by Calandra Orton, who is a business consultant for uh, creatives, actually. Um, she sort of concentrates on what she says, what she calls monetizing creativity. So really sort of drilling into the business aspects of it. Um, but obviously, she's got a really strong understanding of, of the creative industries and her podcast up with the lark is great. I highly recommend Ooh. that. Yes. Everyone have a look at that one. That sounds <laughs> amazing. We'll pop that one up on our social media as well. And if Sophie, if you can pop it into Facebook for people, that'd be great. Up with the lark. And what was the lady's name again? She's called Calandra Orton. Oh, C-A-L-A-N-D-R-E. <laughs> Orton. Orton. O-R-T-O-N perfect <laughs> as a writer i do rely heavily on spell check <laughs> <laughs> we all do it's fine <laughs> i love the sound of that because money is a massive i mean it's almost as big as that topic about women um that topic about money because the the construct the way the creative industry is constructed is that money is is kind of like treated as a little bit of a dirty thing and it's not it's necessary it's powerful you can use it to get you where you want and I think you know the more people talking openly about money as an absolute necess necessity in life and there's nothing wrong with it and as long as you're getting value pay definitely I'm a believer. someone asked me the other day I was doing a, um, a session on money and on submitting to opens and this guy came on from Cuba talking about talking to people internationally and he said oh I have real problems getting money out of Cuba and I have a problem with the fact that everything if you submit to things they have to be paid for and I said well it's part of the process you're going to you're paying your submission fee and that means that the people who are you're now paying for the people to look at your work you're not paying to get in, you're paying for them to look at it. Mm, mm. And when you get through, then there's another level of payment. I said, but I totally appreciate in your country, there is a problem. I can't fix that, sorry. Yeah. Sadly, I can't fix Cuba right today. I'll <laughs> go tomorrow. I've got some time tomorrow, small window of an hour, I'll see what I can do. Um, but I said, you can always, and this is something that, you know, I think artists and creatives get used, need to get used to too, as well as, talking openly about money and being prepared to charge the right price for their work and pay to get themselves where they want to be. They also need to be brave. Mm. 
and just just do it so I said to him why don't you if there's something you really want to be in why don't you find someone on the panel email them tell them your situation explain the issues you're having you never know mm. they might say okay then yeah and he was like I never thought to do that and that's the power of of this kind of thing isn't it having you know having people who are in positions of influence saying go on do it I've had people do it and I've given them opportunities. Yeah. Do you have people doing that, sending stuff into the magazine, asking, will you publish, will you post this? Do you have that? All the time, all the time. Um, you know, we get, I don't know, tens, tens, hundreds of emails every week um, with people wanting us to write about them. And that is something that journalists and commissioning editors, you know, they, they have reams and reams of people. And obviously you can't cover everybody. Obviously not all of them are relevant to you. Obviously some people are contacting you and they've never read your publication because we, we don't write about that kind of thing. Maybe someone's coming and, and pitching us something about fashion. We don't write about fashion. Um, but then there'll be a nugget. There'll be something, a diamond in the rough somewhere along there that actually is is a brilliant story um is is going to be a, a really great feature or something that's never been told before um but yeah i ask the question definitely and don't be afraid of of putting yourself out there and pitching um but when it comes to pitching do your homework is what i would would always say make sure it's relevant to the publication make sure you've read the publication um and make sure you sort of can identify what makes you unique, which is a really hard thing to do actually. And that's something that we do with Studio Homepage, which is mm. our sort of um, partner company um, where we are a creative content um, agency working with creatives. It's sort of, it's, it's identifying what it is that is your story and what it is that makes you unique and sets you apart from everybody else. Because there's a lot of noise out there, a lot of noise, and actually trying to sort of step beyond that and put your head above the parapet is can be really hard. Um, and particularly with, with an increasingly digital world, having a personality is really important. Yeah. Um, that's something that we help um, individuals and businesses with when it comes to their sort of written content. Um, mm. But it's exactly the same if you're pitching yourself to a publication. It's identifying what it is that makes you unique that and your story is unique nobody else has got your story um i mean there that's are the most that's the most valuable thing isn't it that we yeah. all own is the the right to our own our own dialogue our own narrative of our life yeah absolutely and and yes obviously it might be that you want to just have your exhibition listed in a what's on section or you might just want a little nib about something but if you you know if you're looking for a big profile opportunity a bigger feature an interview then actually your story is at the heart of that um i mean there's loads of things that i could say about writing pictures to to magazines keep it mm. brief right keep so it brief an individual don't send an email to you know, a mail at email address because they just, they will get lost, you know, seek out the actual person who is going to be commissioning in the, in the bit of the magazine that you're interested in. Um, yeah. Loads is there a kind of like a little format? Because I know I've just done a book pitch and I spoke to a few people and they said, right, these are the, you know, you say, this is who you are. This is your audience. This is your book. This is what it's about. And that's it. And that that's all you need to do. You don't do any more than that because they won't read it. 
Yeah. Is there I mean, kind of a bit of a format? Yeah, I guess there is. And I use that same format if I'm working as a freelance journalist and I'm pitching to a commissioning editor. So mm. I would summarise the story in a short paragraph mm. initially so that they've, you know, they've got a sort of sample headline. They've got the, the intro to it that sets it out. And then you can literally bullet point underneath. You know, you can bullet point... Um, the, the key details underneath that mm. and then you know include images if obviously if you're a creative and you're pitching something that is is image heavy include those images in the main body of the email don't make people click onto something else and then click into here and click onto there make it all make sure it's there so that people have got everything in a bite-sized chunk immediately then mm. if you sort of drawn them in from there then they can click through to your website or they can contact you for a bit more information um, but a paragraph literally a paragraph Mm, mm. That's really good advice is to, um, you know, just think about the headline, give a sample headline and a summary uh, like you would on a, if you were putting it on to Eventbrite or whatever, you yeah. have to, you have to come up with a headline and you, that's going to grab people's attention. That's a really good um, yeah. suggestion for people to do if they're writing, um, pitching into a magazine. I think that thing about send it to a person mm. um, and, and say how you got to know them, I think yeah. is really good as well oh I was introduced by so and so or I know so and so or I heard you talking heard you on a podcast is always a good one yeah now I have a question are you receiving any video pitches I don't think I'm trying to think we yeah we do receive them um mm. not often really not often um but it's something like that I love I love it I mean yeah we it's something that we don't we don't do an awful lot of video on the homepage, and it's not through it's not because we don't want to. It's because, or particularly over the past year, obviously it's been very hard to do that. Mm. If you have got video that's already available that you've produced or you've got an external person to produce, that is a massive asset. You know, there are so many online publications that are crying out for that content, so definitely mm. include that. Yeah, because we've done a lot of helping and encouraging our artists to create small videos, two minutes videos um, of them working in their studio. And I just thought, you know, as you're an online magazine and as the world has gone digital, surely magazines must be looking for this digital content. And I wondered if there were that many people sending it in. So no, not very many at all. No. No. there you are, guys. So if you're watching, <laughs> top tip. It's such beautiful content to use. It's already made, and we all like things that are easy to drop in to our um, websites. I'm constantly asking when I send out um, the interview questions for the pre-runner on these um, broadcasts, I say, send me a video. And no one is doing it. And I'm like, you're mad. You're all mad. Send me a video. Get on. It's so easy to do as well. You don't yeah. have to have any fancy cameras. You can just do it on Zoom. Just set yourself up a personal Zoom, face to camera, just talk, do it around and press record. Remember to press record. <laughs> Top tip. <laughs> I've think, done that once. Don't press record. Well, we all have. I've done that with dictaphone <laughs> and big interviews. We've all done it. <laughs> we have. So videos, that's great. That'd be because these guys who are watching should all have two minute, ten minute, and you know, hour and half an hour videos available. And they do a headline and send it off. And that that's such a lovely piece of content for a magazine. So there you go. You heard it from Ross. She's not receiving many of them. Get them in. Get them in. <laughs> but that's, I think that personality is so important because people do invest in people. Um, 
the way that people shop these days, I think, has changed massively in the past year. I people are being a lot more mindful of the businesses that they are purchasing from. And especially with something creative, you know, with a piece of artwork, it's so emotive that you you are investing in the person that's created that, not just the way that it looks. And so that's, yeah, again, that's something that we do a lot with at the studio homepage is, is just sort of eking out what the story of your brand is, what your person, brand personality is, what your tone of voice should be. Because often creatives have amazing visuals, don't struggle on that part, but actually it's not backed up with um, a strong voice. Um, and that's what, what can really elevate your brand and make you, like, like we say, step out of the noise and, and stick your head above it. Yeah, those artists who you see who are really, you know, up there, they've got a very clear artist statement, they've got a bio, they've got a very clear voice. Um, and that voice is not just the, the words you put on the paper, as you say, it's the colours and tones that come through from their artwork that they put into their branding on their website and they put into their um, all their printed collateral as well. You know, when they're leaving cards and business cards or we've been advocating them doing actual cards of their artwork and sending those because with mm. all their information on because that's a beautiful way for someone to actually part share that information on a lovely marketing yeah. tool. So, yeah, it is all that brand voice. Um, and getting clarity. So going back to the homepage and then we'll move on to the studio homepage. What's your vision and your mission with that publication? Because it's quite new, isn't it? Well, yeah, we launched in January 2019. <laughs> I have to think about that. It, it had been it had been sort of thought through for a long, long time before we actually launched it. Um, mm. Jess and I were both working on a regional lifestyle magazine and having, having had long careers, you know, on national ma magazines and newspapers in London. Um, and we just felt that the, the, the interiors magazines that were out there were quite inaccessible. They were featuring homes that looked beautiful, but you could never imagine you know, plonking yourself down on the sofa with a cup of tea there. Um, and it was all about the aesthetics. It was all about how they looked rather than how they made you feel. Um, and that was, that's, it remains at the heart of what we are trying to talk about on the homepage. It's talking about our emotional connection with our homes. Um, and obviously we, we, ha we are, have a very strict sort of, um, benchmark of how our homes look that we that we write about you know we, they're always going to be beautiful inspiring homes that we feature but they're homes with a story and that's the difference I think so we've written about all sorts we've interviewed people from from all walks of life we interviewed um, Jess Phillips MP who works a lot with victims of domestic abuse so we talked about what home means to them and the, the, the concept of safety and feeling safe in your home um, we've talked to people who somebody whose house was uh, ravaged by fire, um, how that feels. Um, somebody whose home really helped them to heal after a, a really awful bereavement. Um, we've talked to people who live on houseboats, who live on farms, who live in inner city apartments, who live in vicarages. You know, it's really sort of digging beneath the surface to, to unearth those stories of our emotional connection with our homes and, and you know, creating homes that make us feel good rather than homes that have all the latest trends. Yeah, and I think that's become so important during this pandemic, hasn't it? We've yeah. become, we've realised that that greige that grey, we were all yeah. 
that we're all sold it's just not really it's not going to really cut it no. if that's your only place for inspiration and stimulation you need you need it to have color and yeah. to have personality and to to reflect what you need yeah i was uh, i know i saw this program on feng shuiing your home and um i was like that seemed to be such an old concept from like way back when, mm. but it's just become so relevant now. People are spending so much time in their homes. Yeah, it's not just about how you how it looks. It's about how you use the space, about how yeah. you move around in it. Because you know you could have the most beautiful home in the world, but if you haven't got enough storage, then you'll feel stressed in it. You know, you you, you could have the most beautiful home in the world, but if your kids' toys are everywhere and you haven't sort of earmarked a, a place for them then you're going to feel uneasy that, you know, the mm. our homes are the backdrop to our lives. And we want to come home at the end of a long day. Well, not so much now because we're already here, but, you know, you want your shoulders to drop. You want to walk <laughs> through the front door and relax. And it's your yeah. little corner of the world. And it's yeah. so important to, to make it, make sure it makes you feel good. Yeah, that idea of storage. <laughs> <laughs> very important <laughs> that's why so there's been a surge in shed sales hasn't there during the pandemic <laughs> yeah. I was like, get, get this stuff out of my house yeah I've had um, some fitted wardrobes put in in between lockdowns I was like right we need more we need more wardrobe space and especially because yeah. all the kids came home as well yeah I realized well apart from my daughter who's up in Manchester but um the boys came home and they're fair very untidy creatures boys <laughs> very untidy creatures <laughs> made me made me realize i need more wardrobes um, yeah yeah so what's the how does it work because it's an online magazine it's different from a you know you have a publication date and you, we all know you know we work with quite i write for quite a few magazines and i know i'm always working like three months in advance mm. how does that work in the digital magazine world well, yeah, I mean, having worked for monthlies, weeklies and dailies before, it's it's interesting. Yeah, if you were writing for Living Etc, you'd be writing, like you say, three, four months in advance. Um, so we have uh, we have our newsletter, which comes out monthly um, and we ha we have a big what we call a drop of content that arrives in time for that newsletter. Um, and then we sort of drop content in between newsletters as well. So it's not just everything once a month. Um, we're constantly updating um, and changing things around. So if you sign up to the newsletter, you get um, all the new content direct to your inbox. Um, and then you can go onto the website and it, the website's almost like a sort of all our back issues, I suppose. So all our previous features are available on there as well. So, um, you know, we're, because we're not a news site, a lot of our, a lot of the content that we produce is quite timeless. It's, you know, what you call evergreen, evergreen. content. Exactly. So, um, whereas with a lot of news websites, it's literally churning, 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 churning. That's that's not what we are, what we were about. And actually, when we set up the homepage, this whole idea of how our homes make us feel and the way that they should make us feel. Um, we wanted to translate that into the magazine. So if we were constantly churning and churning and churning, to us, that's not that sort of feeling of, of calm and um, that you would get from your home. So everything that we do on the homepage is, is connected back to feeling um, comfort, comforted, feeling cocooned, feeling relaxed, feeling um, at ease. And that's how we sort of, 
that was our starting point for everything that we then produced. So, um, so it's sort of slow content, but it's content that's always updated, if that makes sense. I love that. So it's evergreen, but continually blooming. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> evergreen, but, but always in bud, yes. ready to bloom. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I would really encourage people to go and have a look. There's a button at the bottom of here saying visit the homepage. Go and have a look because there is some amazing content in there and really inspiring, really inspiring stories as well. Really. Um, and that and reading the stories helps you understand how if you wanted to pitch to a magazine such as this, how you would go about it, um, yeah. which I think is really important. You have to be um connected to the person who you know you're you're sending your content into so there's no specific lead times as such um people can kind of send you stuff anytime absolutely there's no i mean we will then time. schedule it but yeah send it you don't yeah it's not like you have to get a pitch in on a thursday for a meeting on the friday like yeah. you know yeah, no, that's I think that's the beauty, isn't it, of, of a digital evergreen platform, you know, very similar to what we do. Um, who are the people who are mainly, who's your audience, I suppose, is the basic question there. Who's the people who are reading it? <laughs> your audience, being blunt. <laughs> who's our audience? Um, it's predominantly female. Um, I think it's, I think the stats are between 70 and 80% female. Um, it's predominantly UK based, but we do have quite a lot of readers in uh, the US and France uh, and Australia. Um, and it's people who, it's a wide range. So we've got a lot of interior designers, um, we've got buyers, we've got people who work in the industry, but then we've got a lot of people who are just interested in their homes, um, who, you know, aren't aren't invested in the industry, but just you know are are wanting some inspiration, wanting some guidance. We have a big food section as well with a lot of recipes, um, so we get a lot of people who are interested in that. It's it's anybody. It's it's anybody who is interested in the home, and mm. I think once upon a time this word this sort of word homely used to have quite negative connotations. Um, I mean, it couldn't be more different now after the past, you know, after the year that we've had. Um, but it's, yeah, it's people, we have people from the industry and people outside of the industry um, who are just interested in the home and and, and interiors. Yeah. Do you take advertising? We tend to, so our, our commercial partnerships tend to be more content-based rather than display mm. advertising. So mm. we do have... We do have um, space for banner ads on the site, um, but our preference is always working with brands in a really bespoke way to create um, branded content with them. We feel that that sits better within what we are producing, and we also feel that actually our readers react better to that. So it's giving readers value. It's not just shouting it's sort of giving tips or it's giving ideas or it's giving inspiration um, and we like to work in a really bespoke way with our partners to make sure that it is something that is going to be of value to our readers and is going to it is a a brand that we genu genuinely recommend and uh, would like to see on the site so that's kind of a good segue into the home page studio isn't it so do, does a lot of that kind of come through that the relationships that are, you're building in the studio um 
It sort of yeah, it, it sort of comes the other way actually. A, a lot of the, the people that we've worked with on Studio Homepage are people that we have featured on the website, but not necessarily through commercial partnerships. Mm-hmm. Um, often it's um, just interviews or, or news that we've unearthed. Um, we work with creative businesses from across all sorts of, of, of areas. So we've worked with interior designers, homeware brand, boutique hotel group. Um, but always people that we would feature on the homepage. So there's that, this sort of relationship. It's not like we're writing about homes in one breath and then we're writing copy for a, um, a chemical company on the other. You know, there is always going to be that synergy there. And because that's yeah. where our, our, our understanding, our speciality lies as well. We've got a, we've got a, you know, a good understanding of, of that industry. Um, and so there's a synergy between the two all the time. It's quite holistic. Definitely. Um, mm. Otherwise, it just would it just would jar, and it just wouldn't feel it wouldn't feel right, mm. and it wouldn't be what our interests and our passions are either. Um, so we work with brands in all sorts of ways. It could be people who, like you were saying, you know, need help with their about page. Now, your about mm. page is one of the most viewed pages on your website. Um, and often it's just an afterthought or people struggle with it because they don't like blowing their own trumpet or simply they don't have time. You know, you can't do you can't wear all hats at all times. Um, so it could be that it could be helping with blogs. It could be social media strategy. It could be general content strategy. So, again, another way of, of sort of catching the eye of, of journalists, of editors, of commissioning editors is is producing your own content is putting yourself out there because there are you know so many platforms that allow you to do that these days and it's not just a matter again of churning out loads and loads and loads of content it's focusing on where your speciality is um what you want to get out of it where you're trying to position yourself so are you trying to position yourself as an expert are you trying to um just drive awareness of your brand what's the ultimate goal and then working backwards and producing content that you can then repurpose across all the different platforms that you can really make work because it's a really key interesting valuable piece of content that um that sells you um so yeah, we work with brands in in all sorts of ways, depending on what they need, what their goals are, what their budgets are, what their um, time restraints are, um, and it's not what's always your, people. What, I say, what's your favorite? What's your favorite thing to work on? Um, I yeah, I like the sort of slightly longer reads. I like the blog posts. So you're really offering something because that's you know. A t- it's it's akin to you know the editorial that we're producing on the homepage, um, and it's really drilling into the values of of those companies and thinking and drilling into who their their audience is, and again going back to that idea of community that we were talking about earlier, building a community around your brand is is so valuable, and it's with these sorts of pieces of content that you can really start to build a community, um, build loyalty. Um, and then you're sort of elevated from just being a brand to being something that people really look for and look out for and look forward to, to reading more about you rather than, you know, you them sort of accidentally coming across you. 
Yeah, they get to know, like, and trust you, don't they? Absolutely. Which is really important. And that's something that I think blogs are great for that because they get to know you and they get to know your personality. They get to like you and look forward to it. And then as you gradually do that, you build up trust. And that's the point when um, they start they start to become a buyer, don't they? So uh, we have got some questions, Ross. Oh, I'm not used to being on this side. I'm normally the one asking the questions. This is very strange. <laughs> I, I really like being on this side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I do often get on the other side as well. So we've got some questions come across from Facebook, which is great. So hi, everyone who's watching on Facebook. So we've got a, a question from Tom Ryan on Facebook. Um, has running your own website made you feel differently about the content you consume personally online? Good question. Um, yeah, it has. It definitely has. Um, it, like I say, it's been a steep learning curve running your own publication. And obviously, having written for magazines and newspapers my whole career, um, it's very different being on the other side of it. Um, and I, I've worked as an editor, I've worked as a commissioning editor, as well as a, you know, a journalist, a roving journalist out in the field. Um, so yeah, it does make you think about things in a different way. And there are, you know, there are times when I look at other publications and other features and think, oh yeah, we were offered that, but we turned it down. And that's a really nice feeling actually, because you know that what you're doing is right for you and is right for your your readers and, and, and your your brand. And you have to be really single-minded about what that is because you can't be all things to all people all of the time. Um, and we're not living, et cetera. We're not El Deco. We're not, you know, sheer lux. We, we, are, we are different and we are unique in that respect. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you just have to be single-minded about what is right for you and your publication. And then that means that people really invest in you and they know what to expect from you. We now have people going, oh, that's a really homepage home you know that's yeah. a really homepage looking interior and that is just brilliant that's what we have always you know wanted to to strive for that people know it's us yeah that's it is having your boundaries and knowing that you don't need to please all of the people all of the time it's much better to know your people know your tribe yeah. and serve them really well i think that's yeah. something that i've learned over the years is that don't try and be a people pleaser don't try and just be, don't say, oh, I could I could do this for everyone, but actually I don't. I just do it for this set of people mm. and then do it really, really well. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's the answer to the question, Tom. Hopefully that's, uh, um, and if you've got any more, Tom, just let us know. Sophie will bring them across. So Linda Heaven on Facebook said, if I sent video in, it's not good enough content. Would I get feedback and an opportunity to amend it or would it just not be used? So thinking about creating her own video content for you. Um, I would certainly, yeah, I would certainly give feedback. Um, it may be that actually it's it's a topic that we wouldn't cover. It may be that mm. it's not a style that is not our particular style, or it may be that it's, you know, like you say, it might not, it might be video that's not good enough, high enough quality. Mm. It's not necessarily a quality issue all the time if you are turned down for a story. It could just mm. be that, it's not a particular niche that that publication writes about. Um, mm. Bear in mind, you know, if you are going to email somebody who is a commissioning editor on a national newspaper, 
they're going to be getting hundreds and hundreds and you're probably not going to get a response. Um, mm. Obviously, now if you're emailing me, I will give you a response. And I do always try to give feedback, whether that's whether that's just a couple of lines saying, actually, on this occasion, it's a story that we've featured really recently that's similar. So we're not going to cover it now, but thank you. Or it might be... Um, your house is beautiful, but it's not quite the right style that we cover. Perhaps you might want to, you know, consider pitching to these X, Y, and Z magazine. I think mm. that's uh, courteous, and I do always try to do that. Yeah, as you say, though, some of the bigger publications might not. But what I would say is if you've sent it in and you don't get a response, there is absolutely nothing wrong with sending a follow-up email. Definitely. And if you do get a response that's just a no, then there is absolutely no reason, again, why you can't go back and say, if you have the time, obviously being really polite and really humble, if you have the time, I would really appreciate and value some feedback. You might get it or you might not, but if you don't ask, you don't get it. Definitely. And do chase. I mean, I, don't pester. There's, a, you know, there's a fine line, but yes, there is. <laughs> things get lost. You know, we get we get yeah. so many emails all the time. Things do get lost. Um, mm. Give them a few days or give them a week or whatever. And then just send another, like you say, courteous, polite email saying just in case you haven't seen it. Um, yeah. Don't be afraid to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, as you say, chasing we're all busy. I mean, I get a hundred, while we're doing this, I will have received probably about 150 emails into my inbox and I do my absolute best, but occasionally I will miss one and it yeah. won't be part and it's not personal. Yeah. I just, you know, I do my absolute best. We have a team who are, you know, as, as everyone knows, but, um, sometimes we miss stuff, you know, that's human, you know, we're just humans. Yeah. We're humans doing the best we can. So there's absolutely no reason why you can't be brave and a little bit vulnerable, as Brené Brown would say, <laughs> and just send another email. Mm. And then actually, sometimes you could pick up the phone and ring if there's a phone number. And I've done that on occasion when I've been really invested in something and I really need it. I've picked up the phone and you'll be really surprised how often the person <laughs> actually picks up the phone and you go, thanks for calling. LinkedIn is another great way yeah. of contacting people. Um, and Twitter for journalists. Do you use Twitter, Ros? I do use Twitter, but not as much these days. I actually tend to use Instagram a lot more these days. Mm. Um, the homepage isn't on Twitter. Um, we're on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and mm. that was a conscious decision because there's two of us and we didn't want to spread ourselves too thinly. Uh, you know, we, mm. we wanted to do channels that we felt were the most relevant and that we could actually, that were manageable. Um, but Instagram for us, and I would say probably for creative industries for really visual brands instagram is a great great platform um i would yeah definitely recommend setting up on there because and also again like you say journalists are looking trying to find stories on social media all the time so if you're putting yourself across on 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 social media with with your video you know you can put your videos up there you can share your blog posts up there you can direct people to your website there um definitely get involved yeah linktree we use linktree and you can put videos in linktree now which is great so you can do your linktree which is free or you can go onto the paid ones if you want to go really fancy have like 
fancy background colors and such like <laughs> you don't really don't need to uh, but you can actually put video into linktree so that people can you can send it as a link and people click on it and they can see everything and that's a really great thing to add to your bio in instagram as well because it, it you can you can literally direct people like a website through linktree which is yeah. really cool so i uh, yeah there's so many tools um, available it's picking the ones that are right for you and it's also remembering that you know they're called social networks for a reason they're social they're networks they're not notice boards so yeah. you get out what you put in if you are mm. there's a, a great quote that i can't remember off the top of my head now uh, is it something like um content marketing is like going on a first date if you only talk about yourself you're never going to get a second date so it's really important to not just put yourself out there and, and talk about what you're up to but you know contact other people comment on other pictures comment on other people seek out like-minded individuals or creatives and, and use it as a network not just a sounding board not just a notice board yeah it's a social platform so you have to be sociable and you have to build it's there to build relationships with which yeah. then you can turn into something else off the platform so it, yeah. it's always best to get those relationships off the platform into an email or um, telephone call and then convert them into something else so we've got a couple more um questions which is great what are your top tips for a good video for a magazine such as yours um i think one of the key things is length again thinking about um the attention span that people have when they go online, mm. it's often quite short. You'd be surprised. Mm. Um, while you may find think feel that you have an hour's worth of stuff to talk about, realistically, mm. people majority of people are going to switch off after mm. ten minutes. Yeah. So you really should be succinct about it. I think that is really really important, um, and that comes with. You know that's a really hard thing to do as as a journalist. You know, writing a long form piece is so much easier than writing short, concise things. But actually, it's it's something that we are trained to do, and and that's where the sort of the skill comes into it. So length, I would definitely say, is is important. Um, and I I also think that actually you shouldn't worry too much about quality to a certain extent. You know, you don't have to necessarily get a full bells and whistles production company coming in and doing your video for you you know especially now people are so used to um a bit more of a homemade organic approach i suppose you know over the past year we've we've glimpsed into people's homes and we've we've seen people on video more than we ever have before um and you know i'm, I'm not on any fancy setup i've just got my laptop here so yeah. doesn't necessarily obviously think about the basics like lighting and, and framing and all the rest of it but but don't get too hung up on it being a really slick production. Yeah, absolutely. So I would suggest there's the 45 minute, two minute, 10 minute. You can only do something like we do here as an hour if you've got a really engaged audience. Once you've got a really engaged audience, they'll, they'll stay for two hours if you want them to. But you can't exploit that. So if it's something that's the first time that the person is engaging with you, then 45 seconds is what they do on Instagram. And then they go to two minutes. And so then they do that for a reason. They know their stats, they know their data. They've got more data than any of us, these social media platforms. So that's a, a intelligent route to follow is two minutes. And then 10 minutes, I think is a very good, um, you know, kind of stop point for something that's new to somebody. 
as yeah. you say, you know, that their first their first encounter with you, ten no more than ten minutes is. Uh, yeah, I I personally love seeing all the videos where the husband walks across the floor or the cat jumps on their head. That just makes it even more entertaining for me. Definitely, so. <laughs> definitely. You know, our relationship with our colleagues and. Um, you know, uh, contacts has changed so much over the past year. It's become more personal because you've seen inside people's homes. You've seen yeah. what they've got hanging on their wall or who's walking through the background or the cat that jumps up in the middle of a call. And, every, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's 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 nice. It's changed yeah. the landscape a bit. Exactly. Dog barks. Amazon man comes to deliver something. <laughs> yeah, <I'm surprised laughs> it all goes. My cat hasn't done a cameo. <laughs> <laughs> it all it all goes on. And the final question: Do you know what times of day and for how long your readers read? Look at the homepage. Oh, digging into the stats, Fran. <laughs> we do. We have all of this. Yes, I've yeah. Strangely, become a bit of a stats geek. Actually, something I never thought I'd be. But um, yes, we know all of this. Um, there are again. There are. Well, we use Google Analytics a, a mm. lot, um, mm. and that's something that is really important both on social media and if you've got an online publication or, or an online platform, is to look at those stats and see where your readers are coming from, see how they're finding you, see, like you say, what time they're online, what time they're looking at you. You know, you can you can discover all sorts of stuff. You know, the the journey that they take through your site. So if they've landed on one particular story the next page, the next page, where they leave. It's all there. It's all, you know, all the insight buttons are there on social media as well. So just make sure you have a look at them because it's really, actually really valuable information to then act on and sort of lead you through your, your marketing strategy or lead you through your editorial strategy or having a look at what public, what um, features are really popular um, and mm. what features aren't popular. That's just as valuable. Um, so yeah, it's all there, and it's and definitely it's really important to to look at those stats. Yeah, I love. I I'm a bit of a stats geek too. I never to used said. to be. I've changed, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I started off as an analyst. That was my okay. very first job. So I love data, and um, and then in all my in all my life, I've um, career roles, I've had to look at data, and I love it because it's so insightful. But yeah. Google Analytics is great. When you look at the insights on things like Facebook and Instagram, you have to be a little bit cautious because you have to remember that an algorithm is driving some of that. Yeah. So that's not um, completely true to what would a normal human would do without being fed some things by the algorithm. But the Google Analytics doesn't. And if you look at the journey, how long people dwell on particular pages on your website, it's fascinating. Yeah. I you're, love it. You'll suddenly spot, I remember going on, to Google Analytics one evening, and there were hundreds of people on one particular recipe on our site that we'd posted a year before. I was like, well, this is very strange. And then I worked out that actually the author of that recipe had spoken about it on her Instagram and put the link in her bio, and so lots of people had come and found it that way. But it's really interesting because it could be things that you'd posted a long time ago suddenly have a new lease of life because something else has happened. Actually, that brings me on to another just going back to pitching um yeah. make it relevant uh to the time there's always um there's this sort of mantra why me why now so if you're mm. pitching a story um you know we've just had international women's day mm. um we're, we're coming into a period of you know the, it could be the time of year it could be um a particular news story it could be a particular period but make sure it's relevant to the time 
um, that you're timing your piece well. Yeah, I'm going to do a little bit of a blog post for the guys on this. So I'll put that in there. I love that. Why me? Why? You yeah, can even yeah. put that in there. You can even put, this is my headline, why me and answer the question and why now and answer the question. Yeah. Because it just make it easy. Do it as a report. <laughs> make it as a report format like you would, done, would have done at school. And um, the person who's receiving it will then understand what they're reading if you get too wordy it can get confusing yeah. and yeah so ros honestly absolutely amazing oh. and <laughs> valuable information that the uh, that everyone can really use you've been i mean absolutely resort so resourceful and um, i won't make you stand up <laughs> um, but everyone should know that you are heavily pregnant i am and so um Congratulations Thank on being you. pregnant, and we're so grateful for your time and for being so generous with all of your with all of your tips and hints and your suggestions. They have been absolutely incredible, and um, yeah, I think we need to let you go now and have a little bit of a light. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be nice. Chance of be a fine thing. Back to the you're grindstone. A, but yeah, yeah. you're a lady who, you, who shouldn't be overworking. You really shouldn't. <laughs> but thank you so much. We've really, really loved having you on the uh, Pure Talks broadcast. And if you are welcome to come back anytime, and hopefully you will. Thank and you we'd love much. maybe next time we could do a three hander and we could have Jess on as well. Definitely, definitely, yes. Yeah, that would be lovely. Be cool. Really, yeah. Nice. Let's let's do that next time. Maybe in the autumn when I do the next season, we'll have um, both of you on and, and the new baby. <laughs> the baby can make a cameo. And the baby, <laughs> a cameo, baby cameo. <laughs> the home page baby. Yeah. yeah, the home page, the first home page baby. <laughs> thank uh, you very yeah. much for having uh, me. It's it's been lovely. Really enjoyed you're it. So, so you're you. so welcome, and you've been a very generous guest. And um, watch out because I think you might be receiving a few um, little <laughs> in, emails into your um, inbox from with a few videos in. That's okay. Do it. <laughs> Look forward to it. All right. Take care, everyone, and we'll see you next. Next week, next week, I am talking to Ray Nan. I have to say that correctly. And she's talking about future life progression. I have no idea what that means. So I am truly fascinated about that. But I think it's really interesting subject to like think about the future, especially after the period of time that we've just been through. So, yeah, tune in next week. And all Pure members, don't forget to join me on Monday. I don't want to see any of you missing. I know we're doing fitness. <laughs> <laughs> don't you all go off and tell send me emails telling me that you're busy walking the dog or washing your hair <laughs> monday morning at 11 30 i want you all online because <laughs> we'll be talking about the importance of you know stretching and standing up away from your desk and standing up away from your easel and you know keeping fit because if you don't look after your body you won't be able to do what you love for as long as you want to do it so there we go Thank you, everyone who joined us on Facebook and on YouTube. Thank you again, Roz. Good luck with the Baba. Thank you. And uh, we'll hopefully see you in the autumn. Yeah. You're Take on. care for now. Bye.